What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about presenting the truth. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the book of John, and we're going to, then we're going to end up in the book of Acts. We're going to see the results when somebody is strong and firm and does things the right way. And then we're going to look at what happens when somebody does things the wrong way, how to present the truth. If you've read the show notes and you in the description of this podcast, you know that many times accusations are levied against people who speak the truth. What happens is somebody will uh, passionately proclaim the truth of God's word or the truth of any, uh, just, just the a priori uh, reality that we can see around us. And it will inevitably make some people mad. I mean, it'll make them angry. And they'll say, well, I don't want to be associated with you anymore. You know, that's happened in the Lord's church. In fact, that's happened here in Riverview even with this small work up here. You know, sometimes you've got to proclaim the truth, and not everybody is going to draw near unto the source of truth, which is God. All right? Now, before we get into the meat of our podcast and I start talking about this, I would like to invite you to support me as a podcaster www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. That link is in the show notes. My my PayPal is also near churches at gmail.com. You can send me a PayPal. I'm using those funds to boost and promote the podcast. We want to get this, uh, grow our listening audience to as many listeners as we possibly can. And we can do that with your help. And if you can't afford to uh, support me monetarily, then you be the algorithm, you be the notification bell, and you share this material and you share this content. So that's all I've got here. Let's get into the podcast. Um, presenting the truth. Let's notice something. In John, John chapter 10, um, Jesus says the illustration of the good shepherd, the sheepfold, and the door of the sheepfold. And he he speaks the truth to them. Um, I'm going to start in John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Well, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. So we notice right there that the truth it will divide. The truth will divide people one from another. That is inevitable. You cannot, you cannot mitigate that. I, I'm going to stop there. I, I'm going to I'm going to follow up that thought later. But notice, there again was a division. This implies that this is not the first time this has happened. Every time you see Jesus preaching and teaching, guess what? He causes division. He stirs up strife. In fact, this is an aside. Uh, Ahab meeting Elijah. He, he says, are you the one that's troubling Israel? 
I think that's rather ironic. The, the, the fact of the matter is, no, I, uh, Elijah wasn't the one that was troubling Israel. It was Ahab. Elijah is just a proclaimer of the truth. I use this illustration. Picture a rock, a, a, a rock along the shore, and the waves of the ocean are breaking upon it. And when the waves of the ocean split on that rock, it is tumultuous, it is violent, there's violent undertow and undercurrent, the foam, the spray, it is not pleasant. Is it the rock's fault? The rock is just being a rock. The rock of the truth will do that as well. The whims and desires upon which the waves of the world crash is the rock, Jesus Christ, the truth. Something to think about. Now, therefore the Jew, therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these things. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said, How long do you keep us in doubt? You, If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Folks, he told them plainly. They knew exactly what he was saying here. Do you want me to tell you how I know that they knew exactly what he was saying here? Because of the very next verse, then the Jews took up stones to kill him or to stone him. Well, what happens in a stoning? The idea of a stoning is you die. Incidentally, I'm so glad for our audience today. Uh, why don't you share the live stream and maybe invite some of your friends? I really appreciate it, and you'll help us grow more than you know. All right. So what could Jesus have done? to mitigate this reaction from the crowd. Remember, Jesus is the perfect teacher. Jesus is the perfect knowledge. He's the perfect logic. He's the perfect love. He could not be any more reasonable, any more clear, any more loving, any more or less passionate. He is the standard and this truth delivered in the perfect way, in the perfect time, with the perfect level of passion, caused people who were unwilling to listen to want to kill the precious Son, our Savior, God in the flesh, Jesus. Do you think that you can do better than Jesus? Do you think the person that you listen to on a weekly basis, can do better than Jesus? Do you think that I can do better than Jesus? You know what that means? Despite all of your best efforts, 
you're going to make people mad with the truth. Despite all of your best efforts, you're going to run people off. And I am sick and tired of listening to fair-weather Christians virtue signal and clutch their pearls and say, Oh, you just should have said that better. Oh, you should just be more loving. Oh, you should just be more like Jesus. While if you were to be more like Jesus, you wouldn't have run those people off. You know what my response is? If I would have been more like Jesus, they would have killed me. All I did was run them off. Now that's a little that's a little cheeky. All right. It's not that it, it it's not that I think that if you're going to be like Jesus, you gotta make people kill you. It's a little bit of hyperbole to prove a point. I'm I'm showing the absurdity of that foolish accusation. If you'd have just been a little bit more like Jesus, you wouldn't have run those people off. How many people did Jesus run off versus how many people did he draw to him? Jesus ran way more people off than he drew to him. I challenge you to go look at every time he's preaching. And every time there was a response to his preaching, the multitudes left, the remnant remained. The small remnant. Diana Harden, thank you so much. Brandon Dressner, good to see you this afternoon. And uh, now, I want to I want to be clear. I mean, I want to be crystal clear. If you use what I'm saying as an excuse to be overly harsh or unkind with the truth and being offensive with the truth, then you've missed the mark. And you're not a son of your father in heaven and adopted brother to your savior, Jesus Christ. You're a child of your father, the devil. Because the devil, he can use scripture and he can damn somebody's soul to hell with it. And that's what you'd be doing. In fact, this is an aside. Let's, let's chase a squirrel. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. I want to I wanna expound on this really quickly. I just, and and I'm, I'm taking the time here because I want to be, be clear as a bell that if you use what I'm saying here today as an excuse to be offensive with the truth, then you're not going to make heaven, all right? Listen to this. Um, verse 12 of chapter 1, the book of Philippians. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. There were two factions preaching during the time in which Paul was imprisoned. One was nefarious. One was good. One was noble. One preached from envy and strife, one from goodwill. Now, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition. That's envy and strife. They do not preach sincerely, and their purpose, according to Paul, is to add affliction to Paul while he's bound in chains. Now, the latter, those who 
are preaching from goodwill, they preach out of love, knowing that Paul is appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Like, what do we do about this? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yea, I will rejoice. Now, these people weren't probably being overly harsh with the truth. These people were preaching from a different motivation. They were preaching out of a motivation of self-aggrandizement. However, they were still preaching in pretense. The point that I want to draw from this is if you take what I'm saying today as a license to be offensive with the truth, which is a far cry different than offending someone with the truth, then you will be preaching in pretense and you won't make heaven. Now, it may be that some folks will obey the word at your preaching and they, they'll make heaven, but, but you're not. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Now, let's get back to John chapter 10. Incidentally, you can offend somebody with the truth. That's one of the most loving, Christ-like things that you can do. But if you're overly offensive with the truth just because you're on some mission or riding some hobby horse, that's not Christ-like. That's not loving. All right. Now, we're, we're, we're here in John chapter 10. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This means this happened again or before. Hello, Katie Smith. Katie Smith, I consider myself a wordsmith, and serendipitous is a word that comes to mind. Katie Smith says, hello, nice surprise. I was just thinking about you today, Katie. I was drinking coffee out of my stein, and uh, it said the stein has cool beans written on it. Anyway, let me go in here and look up serendipitous, S-E-R-E-N-D-I. Serendipity is the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. An unexpected nice surprise is the idea. It was serendipitous that you turned on your Facebook and you saw old Tony live on the Cogitations Facebook page. Um, I really like that word serendipitous. And uh, it makes you sound smart. And I love sounding smart by using big words. In fact, the bigger the words you use, the more photosynthesis that you sound. All right. So they're going to kill Jesus again. Why? Because he spoke the truth. And Jesus couldn't have done anything about that. You can't be more loving, more kind, deliver the truth in a better way, and be more knowledgeable than Jesus. Hello, Sheila Cole. It's good to see you, by the way. I hope you're doing well. I haven't seen your daughter on Facebook in quite a while. That may be because of Facebook's algorithm. I hope that she's doing well. I don't I, I don't speak to her a lot uh, or any, but I know she's your daughter, and I just I haven't seen her in a while. I hope she's doing well. Anyway, um, so Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? So he, here's what he did. They had this mob mentality. They're going to kill him. They, he used reason to punch through that mob mentality. And they thought, all right? So they, they thought, 
which which one of these work for which one of these works do you stone me? Well, the Jews answered him saying, "For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God." Now listen to me. Put yourself in the Jews' shoes. The Jews' shoes. That's, that's I'm a poet and didn't know it. I rhyme all the time. Oh man, Sheila, I'll, I'll pray for her. I hate that. I hate to hear that. And I thought by her absence that may have been the case. Um, anyway, and cool beans is something that Katie's dad said quite often, and I'm I'm glad to hear that. All right. Now, but you for blasphemy. They knew exactly what Jesus was teaching. Now, put yourself in their shoes. They were hauled off into captivity because of idolatry. Not not totally. I mean, they they did have an issue with the with the Sabbath years, but it was because of that and idolatry. And they were so ashamed about their idolatry that when they got back from captivity, never again did they have the Valley of the Idols where you could go south out of Jerusalem to the Hinnon Valley and worship idols. But what did they do? They they crushed all those idols, and they made that valley a trash heap, and they associated that with eternal damnation and destruction. All right? Well, they didn't want to make that mistake again. Now, they had a lot of problems after the captivity, but they didn't have a problem of worshiping a, two different gods. And... In their mind, and this is why Jesus is called a stumbling block. Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jews because he said, I am God. And they say, no, our father in heaven is God. You're just a man. We're not worshiping you. We've been down that road before. Ha, ha, ha. You're not going to trick us. We're going to kill you. That's why they were stumbling. That's why Jesus was a stumbling block. Now, they knew exactly what he was teaching. Verse 34, what Jesus answered them said, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the world the word came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? I'm not going to get into the, the logical nature of that argument. It's rather brilliant. And he's using, I believe he's using a, a, a tactic called equivocation in a very obvious way in order to kind of turn them on their ear. That being said, verse 37, if you or if I do not the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, so if I do the works of my father, if I do the works of my father, Though you do not believe me, in other words, my words, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. In other words, that we're that we're in fellowship. And again, this set them off. Look at verse 39. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing first. So let's think about this. Jesus spoke the truth. He did not compromise. He did not change. He did not acquiesce to the crowd. 
And at least three times alluded to in this short passage of Scripture, they wanted to kill him. You can't preach better than Jesus. You can't be more loving than Jesus. You can't be more kind than Jesus. If you have faith in God, speak the truth in love of the truth, doing your best to not be overly offensive with the truth and let the chips fall where they may. And by God in heaven, when you see somebody do it and somebody doesn't like it, don't take the side of the person that doesn't like the person preaching the truth. Scrutinize what the person is saying. If they're saying the truth and a person is offended, you need to take the position, listen, I don't care what you think. I'll make it personal. Look, I don't care what you think about old Tony. You know, Tony looks kind of goofy. He's got this big unkempt beard. He's missing a tooth. He's balding. He's overweight. He's brash. He says things kind of bluntly. But if you don't like what he says, is it because you don't like him or you don't like the truth? Think about that. All right. And I would say that with anybody, for those of you that listen to me that know who Garland Elkins is, did you know I've talked to people who claim that Garland Elkins was a very difficult person and was a very unloving and unkind person? And, and between us chickens, I think there's probably only one person that's ever walked the face of the earth that was the epitome of a Christian gentleman more so than Garland Elkins, and that's Jesus. And I don't think I'm blaspheming there. I'm telling you, man. Uh, Garland Elkins was an amazing individual. Is, is. He's still, he's still existent. He's just gone on to his reward. Awesome, Katie. Katie says, I never fully understood the reasoning behind Jesus being a stumbling block. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. What? What do you mean you, you're God? Man, you ain't God. My God's in heaven, and, and our culture spent 70 years in captivity because we worshiped another God. We're not worshiping you. You think you're going to get us? You're crazy. Anyway, um, verse or Katie Smith says, that's the way it is with certain political figures. Some can't stand the man and therefore can't believe what he says, even if he's speaking the truth. That's it. Garland Elkins was soft-spoken, but he carried a big stick. And, of course, she puts in parentheses scripture. Metaphorically, that stick is scripture. Incidentally, I'll tell you a story about Garland Elkins. I was at the Truth and Love Lectureships in Pulaski, Tennessee, at East Hill Church of Christ. And it was while I was a student. And Brother Elkins was rather feeble at that time. He was very close to 90. And if you'll remember in Episode 2, Attack of the Clone, Star Wars, the first time my generation, we're, we're used to Yoda as he was. I'm getting, I'm nerding out on you. We're used to Yoda as he was on Dagobah and, uh, uh, well, come on, Tony, Empire Strikes Back whenever Luke was uh, doing his training and he's feeble and he's walking with this, he's walking with his cane. Well, when we see Yoda coming in to, fa- to fight Count Dooku, he's feeble, he's feeble, he's hunched over, and when he sees Count Dooku, he sheds off his robe and he does opens his hand and his lightsaber comes from his waist to his hand and he ignites his lightsaber and then he fight, he fights Count Dooku like a rabid honey badger had a 
baby with a spider monkey strung out on crack. I mean, it was amazing. And I remember watching Garland Elkins, much like the aged Yoda, walking with that stick, barely able to get to the pulpit. Once he gets to the pulpit, he sets his stick on the pulpit, and he pulls out this little pocket testament, and he holds it with his fingertips like this, and it's closed, and he starts preaching, and he looks like he loses 50 years of age. And it, and it reminded me of how Yoda was in that movie. Now, that has nothing to do with the podcast, but I hope you find that entertaining. And um, I hope you don't mind that that I'm a little bit in awe of Garland Elkins. I don't hold him up higher than I should, but I think we ought to give respect where respect is due. So here's the point of John chapter 10, what I've been talking about. Jesus just spake the truth, and he didn't compromise. And Three times in the text, they tried to kill him. And you're not going to be doing any better than that. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 21, and let's see what happens when a man of God compromises and tries to acquiesce to the crowd. You might not think there's an example of that in Scripture, but there is. And of all people, it's the Apostle Paul. The Bible says the word of God is like a sword, and it's also like a fire and a hammer. Hebrews 4, 12, Jeremiah 23, 29. It cuts right to the heart of the matter and consumes and crushes falsehood. When it does that, it can elicit two different responses. Responses. I said that like a hillbilly. It can elicit two, two different responses. From the honest heart, it can induce change from the hardened heart It often provokes anger. We see that with the Jews as well as with many in the world today. Absolutely, Jason. Absolutely. Now, Paul compromised. Let's see how it worked out for Paul. Acts chapter 21, verse 17. Paul goes to Jerusalem. And when he had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received, excuse me, and when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. Y'all, that means the law of Moses. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you to do. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. Now question, 
did Paul keep the law of Moses? He did not. But what they want him to do is participate in this ritual to communicate to the people that he did. That is a lie. That is deceitful. That is acquiescing to the myriads of Jews who were present. Verse 25, But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, and from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Well, that was... uh, The Jews and the Gentiles were not under two different laws. That's a reference back to Acts chapter 15. And Acts chapter, uh, Katie Smith, I do believe it is the Nazarite vow. I really do. Um, Well, I think it is. All right. So, The Jews and the Gentiles were not under a different law. Acts chapter 15, there was a synod, and the Holy Ghost oversaw it. And they said that these things only are coming over from the law of Moses. That's what they're talking about. Had nothing to do. In other words, if you're a Gentile, you got to keep these things. If you're a Jew, you still have to keep the law of Moses. That is not what 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 the what the takeaway of that was supposed to be. Now, verse twenty six. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification. At that time, an offering should be made for each one of them. Paul, a Christian, allowed an animal sacrifice to be made on his behalf. Folks, in what world is that correct? In what world is that right? All he's doing is acquiescing to the mob to communicate that he still follows the law of Moses like a good Jew. All right, verse 27. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Verse 31. Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in a uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. They were beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him, and to be bound in two chains, and he asked who he was and what he had done. Anyway, he was going to take him to be scourged, all that good stuff. I'm not going to get into that. I just want to to see here. Paul wanted to try to appease the crowd and mitigate the truth. He compromised. And where did it get him? 
They still tried to kill him. Jesus didn't compromise. What did it get him? They still tried to kill him. You see where I'm getting with this? The people are going to come after you regardless. You might as well at least suffer for doing good. Don't suffer as an evildoer. Suffer for the cause of Christ. If you suffer for the cause of Christ, there's purpose in it. It makes you stronger. If you suffer like Paul suffered here, he just got what he deserved. Something to think about. Is this similar to 1 Corinthians 9? I don't know. Let me read that. Maybe. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Um, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win some. I remember this. I'll, I'll talk about this, Katie. It's good to bring up. Um. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jew I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those who were under the law as under the law that I might win those who were under the law. To those who were without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who were without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men that I might by all means win some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. It's a good question. I think that this is Paul's attitude, and I think Paul was so desirous to save his brethren that he, he, he went too far here. Have you ever known anybody that's gone too far in trying to do the right thing where they've gone to the other extreme? We understand this. This is human nature. Um, let's go to the book of Romans and check something out. I believe it's Romans 9. Listen to this. Now remember, we just read where Paul compromised the truth. Paul was teaching that you should eschew the law of Moses and follow the law of Christ, and you don't have to circumcise your children. You don't have to keep the commandment statutes of the law of Moses. In Jerusalem, he took a vow and allowed a blood sacrifice on his behalf in order to communicate that he taught no such thing and that he himself kept the law of Moses. I tell the truth in Christ. This is verse 1 of chapter 9, book of Romans. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul toyed with the idea 
of trading his soul for the Jews, for his brethren, his kinsmen, his countrymen. I think that's what motivated him in Acts 21 there. And I think it caused him to go too far. You see, the lesson, the takeaway from here, you may want to acquiesce the mob. You may be so concerned about teaching the truth in such a way that the most people accept it that you end up watering it down, compromising it, and sugarcoating it, and robbing it of its effectiveness. Um, I need hold on just a second. I need where's my? Well, I don't I don't have my Old Testament in reach. Let me let me go to Deuteronomy twenty eight sixty three. I want to read that. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so in this manner it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess it. I have no idea which version or translation of the Bible that is, but it's accurate. All right? God's justice. God is pleased when justice is satisfied. That means he is equally pleased at the reward of the righteous or the punishment of the wicked. God wants you to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And whatever effect that has is God's effect. So the ultimate show of faithfulness to God is to simply preach the truth the way it's intended to be preached and let the chips fall where they may and understand that just like Jesus did, you're going to run more people off than are drawn to. Um, yeah, I think you see, in some, uh, see some of this in the circumcision of Timothy as well. It wasn't wrong to circumcise someone, but it did send the correct message, or but did it send the correct message, even if it was beneficial at that time in a practical sense? It's a good question. You know, there's a difference between the circumcision of Timothy and the deciding not to circumcise Titus. Um, Paul circumcised Timothy preemptively to take the occasion away from the Jewish audience to say, well, I'm not going to listen to this uncircumcised heathen. He wasn't even following the law of Moses. Why do you think I would want to listen to him about following the law of Christ? But what we read is whenever they came in, uh, this is in Galatians chapter 2, I believe, uh, whenever they came in, they snuck in privily wanting to sp spy out Paul and company's freedom in Christ, and they demanded that Titus be circumcised. And he said, no, not for one minute. We're not going to mess with that. So, yeah, I, I think Paul might have might have learned a lesson from the goings-on in Acts chapter 21. Like there's nothing wrong with preemptively of your own volition trying to set yourself up for the best possible success. I take this lesson about 
What if I'm at a congregation and the elders are like, listen, you really need to wear a coat and tie when you preach. Well, I don't think I ought to wear a coat and tie, but I take the lesson from Titus and Timothy. Now, if they said, well, we're not going to let you do anything. We're not going to let you preach. We're not going to let you wait on the table. We're not even going to let you pray or read scripture unless you wear a coat and tie. I would, I, I was, I would probably take a vow that as long as I'm here, I will never wear a coat and tie. But if it was put to me like, listen, we're not binding this on you, but it would be better if you wore a coat and tie because that's just what people have always done. It's it's a propriety in this society, and you would be better received if you wore a coat and tie. I'd wear a coat and tie. Same, same principle with Titus and Timothy in the circumcision. Um, in one sense, maybe that was his thorn in the flesh. He deserved, or excuse me, he desired for his countrymen to be saved so much so that he would have given up his soul for them, as you said. That's, I've never considered that, but that's, very, that's a very good possibility. It bothered him so much, and, and that would have been a good message. Paul, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for them. You've got to let them alone. Let them do what they're going to do. Yeah, it's good. I, I can see that. I think the beauty of not knowing what the, the thorn in the flesh is is that we can apply it to many different things and take a good lesson from it. All right. I hope I've I hope I've conveyed the point of this podcast. When you look at I said Acts chapter 21. Yeah, it is 21. When you look at Acts 21 and you look at John 10, we have two examples of one person acquiesces and tries to appease the mob and one person doesn't. Both of them had attempts made on their life. The lesson for us Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, and let the chips fall where they may. You might suffer for it, but I would rather suffer for preaching the truth uncompromisingly than compromise and sugarcoat it and dilute it and still suffer. For one, I will suffer in eternity. For one, my suffering will be eternal. Will be temporary, and that's that's the lesson. And I hope I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope the sound quality has been okay. Um, where's my little? I don't know if you can see this. This is supposed to have a point on it. It broke off. I am doing this deaf, as it were. I cannot hear what you're hearing, and uh, so I don't know if this sounds good or not. I'm assuming it sounds okay because we got we got a good crowd, and nobody left, and nobody complained. Um, but I'm I'm going to have to leave right now and go to Long and McQuaid and get this little five or six dollar part and uh, figure out how to get the tip end that broke off into my my deal. So uh, yeah, that's. Not a big inconvenience, more like a button off of my shirt or a hole in my pocket. But anyway, um, I really appreciate you all sticking around. Uh, Katie Smith, I'm glad you came in today as well. Thank you for the feedback, Sheila, on the sound, and thank you for the encouragement, Diana. And or, Yeah, Diana, sorry. Um, well, and that's all I've got here. Listen, if you want to support me as a podcaster, that's in the show notes. And if you can't or don't want to support monetarily, 
Be the algorithm for me. Be the notification bell for me. Share this. Share my podcast when you see it. Be sure and like the Cogitations Facebook page. And uh, other than that, this has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Be sure and unapologetically preach the truth. And we'll catch you on the flip side.